0: Influence is our inner ability to lift people up to our perspectives. Joseph Huang Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains All right, guys, here we go again. Appreciate you guys coming back over and over. Uh, Today, we're talking about the book Influencer, which is one of my very favorite, probably top ten, five or 10 books, especially in the influence, leadership, even marketing and sales realm. Uh, the way they break down the six different aspects of influencing other people from individuals, small groups to very, very large scale groups, such as even countries or global uh, influence. Now, full transparency, I am traveling Europe with my family. So this particular audio is going straight into my computer without any, you know, microphones or uh, audio interface or anything. And the actual book review is a very, very old one from YouTube that I did uh, a long time ago that does not exist in the podcast world. So we're going to reuse it here. And uh, after these two weeks are over, we'll be back to our normal schedule with new content and hopefully better audio than we have here. But if you want to purchase this book, as always, the link will be in the show notes where you can buy your copy from Amazon, which I do appreciate. And more than anything, I need your help on this, guys. If you could please go leave us a review on this podcast and share the content, subscribe. Those things will help us uh, go a long way in reaching a new audience and um, having a bit more clout in the podcast world. So I appreciate you showing up and let's get into it.
1: Influencer. Freaking love this book. And it's it's the same people that wrote crucial conversations and, uh, crucial confrontations. So it's, it's five, five people that have all kind of collaborated on these books and, uh, they're brilliant. They're, they're very much into, you know, communication, company culture, like interaction, eliminating, um, eliminating conflict and, and creating good, you know, like group cohesiveness in yeah, within businesses and things. So, um, very cool. They're creative and good writers. They use a lot of stories to make their points, which is obviously more fun to read. And they they pick a few in this book that kind of last for the entire book, um, so they kind of bounce back and forth between different stories to to kind of prove their point um, and show where these different influence strategies work. So if you are a business leader or you know a manager or own a business or just I mean, even if you're not, this is fabulous just for your family. So I'll I'll share a few of the the points that they make in here. But I just want to kind of like a couple of the topics they use. Uh, One of them is Dr. Uh, Mimi Silbert, who's like this incredible woman who um, takes these hardened criminals, like people with like four felony charges. Right. They keep going back out into public promising they're gonna change and then they can't change and they go back to prison and, and it's just over and over same problems until they get into her program at Dealency and then she applies every single strategy in this book to help these people change their lives and and they'll basically that she helps them have like social accountability. They're accountable for someone else. They have a mentor who's going to show them they incrementally Um, get, you know, promotions throughout the program. So they start with maybe setting the forks at the dinner table. That's their role. And if they, once they master that, they move on to another one. And then, you know, it's step-by-step. They go from a dorm of like nine people in their little, um, dorm or, or cell more like, um, to one with five, with three, with one. Then they get an apartment outside of, um, you know, the, the jail basically. And, um, Eventually, they're working normal jobs within society, living at a normal apartment, and and they're, you know, good um, citizens of society. Because of this Delency program, she has influenced 14,000 criminals, helped them become decent citizens in the communities. Which, if if that's not influenced, then holy crap, man. Like, 14,000 criminals? Like... And not just not just people people with a uh, you know that got in a fight in public. This is people that you know drug dealers and drug cartels and Crips and Bloods and like just like gangsters of every kind. And and uh, she helps them make connections. So it's crazy. And another one of the stories is is dealing with like a parasite in a river um, in a third world country. There's weight loss tactics, things like that. So it's it's very, very interesting. Let me just share with you a couple of points. So it turns out that all influence geniuses focus on behaviors. They're inflexible on this point. Um, I'll get to another one that's on the same topic, but basically you don't reward outcome, you reward behavior. And some people, like you even reward those incremental behavioral changes Right. So if somebody's like decent at their job, but they're not doing a great job, you help them modify their behavior and then reward that throughout the process. And eventually they'll get to where you want them to be. So a lot of managers think like you only reward um, really extraordinary things, but most people don't achieve extraordinary things. So then they never get rewarded. They never get uh, that positive reinforcement. They never, you know. Hit one goal and then strive for the next. They just kind of stay stagnant. So, um, reward positive behavior and only behavior, not outcome. Um, several times, <laughs> companies have been outwitted by their employees because of an incentive program to achieve some number or goal, <laughs> and the employees are smarter than you think. They and they'll, you know, they'll find a way to manipulate that you know, slack one day, go nuts the next, or change the, like the example in here, the size of the nails, like instead of, you know, um, instead of cranking out the certain size of nail, they'll just crank out a million small ones. Or if you go by weight, they'll just crank out a bunch of big ones. Like it's just, um, they're, they're smart like that. So, um, one vital behavior consists of the use of praise versus the use of punishment. Top performers reward positive performance far more frequently than their counterparts. Bottom performers quickly become discouraged and mutter things such as, "Did I? Didn't I just teach you that two minutes ago?" The best consistently re- reinforce even moderate good performance. Um, there's a section in the book that talks about like the you know the a lot of people think that like punishment will keep keep them from doing things wrong or make them do it right. But punishment comes with a whole bunch of like side effects that you don't want in your business. It basically creates a culture of its own, but you don't know which one you're going to get until it's kind of too late. And so punishment's a last resort. Um, people do not respond well to punishment. They might get a short term effect, desired effect, but that's not, it's not a long-term gain. Um, talks about weight loss strategies and that the people who statistically were able to lose 30 pounds and keep it off do three things, three vital behaviors. They have exer- they exercise on equipment at home, they eat breakfast, and they weigh themselves daily. Just keep it simple, right? Those three things. In the end of the book, he talks about like the proximity of things, literal physical distance. So in a business, if the, you know, upper management is not like close to the, you know, the rest of the employees, it becomes like the enemy when they're like very close. Um, they feel like a team member and they get to know each other and things. And so even in like weight loss, if your exercise equipment is in your living room by your TV, you'll use it, you know, a fair amount. If you even move it out to your garage, you decrease like dramatically. And if you go to a gym down, you know, down the street away's it decreases even even farther. So it's just interesting that little like little teeny things, like a matter of, of a few feet, change people's behavior, um, in a big way. So people choose their behavior behaviors based on what they think will happen to them as a result. Um, it's interesting how ingrained we are with our own thoughts. So people will um, they'll tell themselves a false story. As long you know, as long as they can predict predict the results. So if they think something great is going to happen, then they'll strive for something, right? Um, but most of the time, they don't think some extraordinary thing is going to happen uh, because it doesn't. Like it's it we don't we don't pick up things and reward them or uh, throw perk you know throw these extra perks in for um, taking a step, and so. People just kind of go through the monotony of the day without trying to become excellent. The greater persuader is personal experience. So if they've experienced some good positive feedback before, and it happens over and over, then the that becomes the culture is I'm going to try to do my best, and I you know, and the expectation is that my peers, my management, everyone's going to notice. We're all going to have this nice little kumbaya. But it's legit, like you're continually growing and growing and growing and getting better. It should be that way. Here's his, uh, here's their little map of, of influence. Those are six ways, those are the six strategies of, of influence, and that's that's all you need. If you can create these six things, uh, you can change anything, basically. And the, ex- the examples they use in this book are big enough to prove that you can change anything. Like the criminals that I talked about, 14,000, it's nuts. Um, they also, an AIDS problem in, I think it's Thailand, like, uh, you know, years ago, they, they were on track to having basically like half the population have AIDS until, um, somebody stepped in and found, found a way to, to change that. But just think of having to change a certain behavior in like almost half of the population of an entire country. That's crazy, but they did it. Um, let me see. As a part of this focus on specific levels of achievement, top performers set their goals to improve behaviors or processes rather than outcomes. For instance, top, top volleyball performers set uh, process goals aimed at the set, the dig, the block, and so on. Mediocre performers set outcome goals such as winning so many points or garnering applause. <laughs> so in, in basketball, better shooters set technical oriented goals such as keep the elbow in or follow through. Players who shoot 55% and under tend to think more about result-oriented goals such as this time I'm going to make 10 in a row. He also talks about how those that that section, the ones that shoot less than 55% from the free throw, when they miss, they'll tell you something like, I didn't focus or I wasn't uh, you know, I, I wasn't into it or some some very broad general subjective thing. Whereas the the good shooters, the ones that shoot over 70% from the free throw line, when they miss a shot, they can tell you why they missed it. I didn't use my legs, I let my elbow drift, I you know, I didn't follow through enough. That they, they mechanically know exactly what went wrong versus the ones who are poor shooters just are like, well, I I lost my focus. <laughs> so Anyway, I won't read any more of the book, but um very good book. I highly recommend this. I've read it a few times, and uh I keep coming back to it because I feel like it it has some, some serious value as far as my own businesses and things. Um how can I influence uh employees, especially from so some of you know I, I run I run a business that is almost completely um online and, and, you know, through telephone and everything. So I'm not like one big problem is I'm not close to my employees. In fact, my employees are all over the place. So how do I stay present and engaged? Like I I have to, I have to consciously like make a phone call, um, to people and just engage them. Like it's not necessarily like, usually there's some business involved with it, but a lot of times it's just like, see how they're doing, see what's going on, you know, allow them a chance to talk and vent and whatever. And and I try to maintain like a a more of like a a friendship type relationship with with some of them because first of all, I don't need to motivate them to work because they're amazing workers, but I do need to, I do want to keep them loyal. I do want to keep them happy. I want to stay like, close, right? I don't want to be that, that big, bad em- enemy. I want to be a, a partner and a piece of the team. And, and that's how I truly see it. So, um, it's interesting, you know, I gotta, gotta find new ways to, um, connect and, and apply these principles, but the influencer, the power to change anything. Seriously, it's one of my, one of my favorite books, um, as far as like a business development book. So, Anyway, go out and buy it. I'll put a link here on it so you can purchase from Amazon. And uh, anyway, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilks.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.